0: Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones and I'm one of the pastors on staff and we are so glad that you are here with us today. Today we are in part two of our message series called Last Words. And in this series, we are looking at four significant statements that Jesus made from the cross before he died. And we are looking at the significance for, uh, of those statements for our lives. And so that's what we're checking out today. And today we're gonna to be checking out a statement that Jesus yelled out on the cross in the midst of his pain and his suffering. But before we do that, let me tell you kind of a funny, true story about pain and suffering. All There was this uh, ER doctor in Kentucky who tells this true story. So he had a patient that comes in after a car accident, and this guy he's got this massive burn around his neck. And so the doctor asked him, "Well, how'd you get that burn around your neck from being in a car accident?" And the guy said, "Well, if you ask my my wife, she has one perspective. If you ask me, let me tell you my perspective." And so here's what happened. And so the guy was on his porch and he was talking to his wife, and they had just in one of those new uh, dog collars that had, like, the zapper in it. And, uh, yeah, you know where this is going. Remember, this guy is from Kentucky, okay? That's an important part of the story. If you're from Kentucky, it might be your cousin. But anyways, so, so the guy says to his wife, hey, I'm going to put this collar around my neck because I want to test it. And so I'm going to get in my pickup truck, and I'm going to go down the road and just over the hill, and when I get on the other side of the hill, I'm going to honk the horn, did I mention this guy's from Kentucky? Okay. So sure enough, the guy gets in his pickup truck. He's got the dog collar around his neck and he goes down the road. He goes over the hill and on the other side of the hill, he lays into his horn and his wife presses the button and it works. All right. It zapped him, you know, and almost like to the state of unconsciousness. So what happens is the guy didn't stop his car and he starts to swerve into the other lane. And of course, Coming in the opposite direction is another car. And what do you do when you see a car coming towards you? You lay on your horn. And all of a sudden the wife thinking, well, it must not be working. And he wants me to do it again. (laughs) Presses the button. And sure enough, it zaps him again. He yells out, wakes him up a little bit, and he swerves into the other, or back into his lane. And at that point, the car coming the other way had swerved that way to avoid the car. And what does he do? He lays on the horn again. And the wife, thinking, man, this thing must not be working, just keeps pressing it and pressing it and pressing it and pressing it. So hopefully, you have never inflicted that much pain and suffering on your own, in your own life. But uh, anyways, I would tell that because that's probably about as funny as we're going to get today. Um, Unfortunately, we are going to be checking out pain and suffering, but there's good news for us as well. And so today we are going to be checking out pain and suffering and see the depths of where that takes us. Now, I don't know about you, but um, none of us can isolate ourselves from pain or suffering in this world. I mean, we've all experienced it at some level in our lives, and no one can get away from it. I mean, there's no way that we can have enough money or power or plans to prevent it from happening in our lives. And when it happens, you know, we really learn just how fragile our lives are, and we don't like it, and we don't like pain, and we don't like suffering. Now, don't answer this out loud, but how many of you remember maybe the first time that you were exposed to pain and and evil or suffering in this world? You know, was it through some type of event? Was it through some kind of experience that you had? Well, let me tell you my first experience. It didn't happen to me personally, but this is what I saw, and I really, at a young age, I got to really see just how evil this world is. So, my father, part of an organization that he was a part of, was going to different countries and telling. Uh, college students about Jesus. And at that time, uh, he was taking several trips to Poland. And Poland was under the communist control and under the Soviet Union at that point. Now, on one of these trips, uh, he decides to take our family. And I'm a really young kid at that point. And while we were there, we visit Auschwitz. And if you're unfamiliar with Auschwitz, Auschwitz is the German concentration camp that helped to eliminate the Jews. And so when we went to there to visit, we walked through these gates. And these gates, um, as you see up there in German, it says, work sets you free. But that's not what happened. And so if you were a Jewish prisoner and you were a new arrival, you would arrive on a train in a cattle car. And if you survived that process, you were then taken out, walked through these gates, and you were divided into two groups. There was one group that um, were kind of like the able-bodied. They looked like they could do work. They looked like they could be around for a while. And then the other group that they separated people into were really young children and mothers of those children and the elderly and those maybe that looked sick. And so they took the group that was like the able-bodied group and they took them to the far part of the camp to work. And then this other group of people, they would say, you're going to get a shower and you're going to be in the barracks up here in the front and everything. Well, unfortunately, they would take them into a room and there were these fake shower heads. And instead of receiving a shower, they were gassed. They were gassed to death. Now, I remember walking through that room and those are the actual walls where people were dying and they tried to claw their way out of that room. And the Nazis, in order to dispose of the bodies, had these huge ovens. And they would burn the bodies in them. And one person who survived Auschwitz wrote about this later on. He said that day and night, those ovens just kept going. And they knew exactly what was happening. And there were ashes, both day and night, from the bodies that they were burning. Now, if you don't know, there were 6 million Jews that were exterminated by the Nazis. And 1.5 million died at Auschwitz. Now how do you respond to that? And my response is no way. You know, how could they do that? You know, as I walked through the camp that day at a young age, there was something that was within me that just burned. There was something that just welled up inside of me and said this is not right. You know, how could people do that to people? How could people allow that type of evil to take place? How could people allow those things to happen to other people. And I remember talking to God and said, God, we got to make sure that this never happens again. And then as I grew up later on in life, I continued to read some of the, um, uh, the survivors' stories and their reactions. I've also read other people and their input on pain and suffering and how to explain those things. And I can tell you this, no religion, no philosophy, no modern-day thought has a perfect answer for explaining the reason for pain and suffering. They all have an issue, but there are some that are better than others. Now, one survivor from Auschwitz, he wrote his experience of what happened to him and the horrors. And after that experience, he said that he no longer believed in God, you know, How could he believe in God for allowing people to suffer like this? But yet he was honest. He said, you know what? There's a problem with my new thought and not believing that there is a God. Because if there is no God, then who's to say what is right and who's to say what is wrong? Because morals would then be up to each individual or each culture. If there is no God, who says what is right and who is wrong? And so in that line of thought, then we would not be able to say that Hitler was wrong for what he did. In that line of thought, we wouldn't be able to say uh, that those children, <clears throat> those women, and those, el- those who were elderly who died, in that line of thought, they would say, in essence, they had no value or there was no value in life at all. It's the strongest or the, the strongest of the fittest mentality. It's they were weak, and others were strong. And when we hear that, that burns in us, you know? Who would come up with something like that to explain an atrocity like this in history? And then there's other people who would say, well, maybe these people suffered pain and suffering because they did something wrong. And to that, they would say, you know, maybe the universe, or maybe a force, or maybe God is punishing them for what they did wrong. And when we think that, or when we see that, or hear that, you know, we think, what how could they be paying back what they did in this life or in a life to come? You know, who came up with that? You know, most of us would be like that. That's so irrational to think that they deserve something like that. And then there's some who would say, you know what? What happened that, during that time <clears throat> was horrible. But as humans, we can get better. We can learn from this. Humankind can fix these things so that never happens again but yet we see evil rising up in different ways in life. Do we really see evil diminishing at all? There are 29 million people today in slavery. That is more than at any point in human history. And most of those people are in slavery to human sex trafficking. And yet there is silence, but yet there are people fighting for them. Another issue that's going on in our world that often remains silent is that there are more people displaced from their countries than ever before because of terrorism. More people are displaced because of terrorism today than in World War II, in which impacted the entire world. And then let's talk about right here in our very own home. There are so many people who are addicted to painkillers and are now turning to heroin, and it's becoming an epidemic in our country. You know some of those people who are struggling, and it's affecting every walk of life. So despite some religion or philosophy or modern-day thought, they all have an issue with trying to explain pain and suffering that we experience. And when we think about pain and suffering in our lives, here's the two options that we usually take. We either turn towards God in the midst of our pain and suffering— Or we turn away from him in the midst of our pain and suffering. Because how could a good God, how could a just God, how could a loving God allow such misery, allow such pain, allow such agony to take place in this world? How could a loving God allow those things to happen? And the reason we get fired up over it is because often that pain and suffering is personal. It's personal. Now, Sarah and I, when we got married, we said, you know what, let's uh, focus on our masters and we are going to put off this, uh, you know, trying to have kids for a while. And so five years go by and we say, you know what, it's time. Let's have some kids. Now, we thought that would be an easy process, you know, but it wasn't. Sarah ended up having several miscarriages. And every time she had a miscarriage, it was painful. And she cried. And the only thing I could do was to embrace her, to hug her and cry with her in those moments because she had questions like this. Will I ever be able to have children? Why is this happening to me? Did I do something wrong? And the only thing that we could do, or the only thing that we knew to do in that moment was turn towards God. And so today I want to focus on that aspect because when pain and suffering becomes real in our worlds, often we turn away from God and we don't investigate with him, his perspective on pain and suffering. And so today we may not answer all the questions that you have about pain and suffering, but today I want us to look at God's perspective on that. And in that you may see a side of him that you never knew that there was that side to God. And today we're going to see a statement that Jesus yells out on the cross, a question that we all ask, a question of why. And so that's where we're going today. And it's going to be heavy, but we need to dig in and understand the depth of this issue. So if you have your Bible with you today, turn with me to Matthew 27, verse 41, And if you don't have a Bible, feel free to always get a Bible from the back. If you have a smartphone device, you may use that as well. But please turn with me to Matthew 27, 41. And we're going to put it up on the screens, but go ahead and uh, turn there. And I'll give you a moment. Now, the reality is that Scripture paints a picture of um, that one of its main themes is suffering. And that might surprise you, but it does. And so at the beginning of time in the book of Genesis, it talks about how humans were created and that God created us to be in this perfect relationship with him. And then sin and death entered the world as we turned our backs on the creator to be our own masters. And as a result, sin entered the world. And so did death. And what we were saying is, you know, we have a king, but instead we want to be our own kings. And see, originally, sin and death were not part of God's original creation. Now, after the fall of Adam and Eve, something had to be done. But how do you interact with people who have their own will? How do you make them do something? Because if you make them do something, then that's really not love. And so God enters into history to do something about and move towards us into restoring our relationship with him. And Jesus charges into the scene of history. And that's where we're going to be picking up. And so Jesus is born a human baby in this broken world. And he grows up to show exactly everyone who God is, that he is God himself in the flesh And he starts to teach about God and no one has ever heard the things that he has said. And he performs miracles and he heals people and the religious lead of the day, they have an issue with him. They have an issue because he's gaining momentum with the people. He's rallying them to him and he's showing them and teaching them this love that they have never heard about and he's claiming to be God. And so in our story today, we're picking up where they arrested him and he was about to face the pain and suffering that I don't think any of us could realize just how much pain and suffering someone can take. And so here's Jesus, you know, he's been arrested, he's been tried, he's been found guilty, even though he is innocent, he's been hammered to the cross, and they raise the cross up, and he is dying on the cross for everyone to see, and at that point, there are hundreds of thousands of people in Jerusalem, and maybe thousands of people watching his death, because they know who he is, they've been seeing him for three years, and they want to see what would happen to him on the cross. So let's see exactly what Jesus does. So let's look at Matthew 27, verse 41. The leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Well, let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. So here's the religious leaders of the day and they're mocking Jesus to save himself. If he's truly God, they are so angry at him. They're so jealous because he has the hearts of the people. And in this moment, they are so blinded by their own desire for power and for control that they miss the point. They miss the point of why Jesus is on the cross. And here's the reason that Jesus is on the cross So Jesus is suffering this pain and suffering for us on the cross, and he didn't have to. He was God. He could have done something about it. So what is he up to? Well, just prior to him being on the cross, he performs his greatest miracle, and it gives us great insight to who Jesus is. And so he has a friend who dies and is dead for four days. If you think he's not dead, he's dead, okay? So in John eleven thirty three, it says, <clears throat> when Jesus saw her, and that's Lazarus's sister, Mary, weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. So Jesus wasn't mad at Mary, he wasn't mad at the crowd. He was angry at sin and what it had it brought. It had brought death, it had brought pain, it had brought agony, and he is upset with sin and death. And so he goes into action, and his actions were this. He all of a sudden goes over to Lazarus's tomb, and there was a stone rolled in front of it, and he tells them to remove the stone. And then he prays out loud, and he prays to his heavenly father so all the people would hear that he was praying to his father and that he was God. And to prove that he was, he says, Lazarus, come out. And in that moment, Lazarus comes out. And he shows everyone that he has power over death and sin. So the reason he did not come off the cross was to put a final blow to death once and for all. Now he could have called like legions of angels to come and rescue him. He could have easily come off the cross. He had just called someone to come back to life. He could have done that. But he had called himself to die on our behalf. You see, God is holy and just, and he can't stand sin because it devastates our relationship with him. And when we do something wrong, we should be judged. A price should be paid. But this is what Jesus does instead for you and me. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the, and let's read the underline together, to be the Offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So in this moment, God's love and justice is on display for all of us. In this moment, God himself comes to die on our behalf. In this moment, at this point, the suffering that Jesus experienced was to take on the penalty of our sins on him. He was the payment. He wanted to knock out death. That's why he stayed on the cross. But that's what the religious leaders missed. So let's continue to see what they continue to shout at him in verse 43. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. And even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. So this is getting ugly. So here's the religious leaders of the day pretty much claiming that they know the right perspective of God and how God should work and his plans. They had God pegged. They thought, okay, if Jesus is from God, then God should rescue him. They didn't understand exactly what God was doing. They thought that they knew better. Now, don't we think the same thing? Aren't there times in our life that we think that we know what God should do? Aren't there moments in our lives when pain and suffering comes into our lives that we think we know how God should respond? When pain and suffering comes into life, don't we think we know how God should operate? So let me turn the table on us. Let's look at God's perspective Let's say in a moment here, we could exchange roles with God. And we are looking at the created. And we are looking at people who point their fingers at us, who raise their fists at us, who turn their backs on us. How would you respond? How would you respond to the created? And this is really important for us to understand. Because it's important to watch exactly how God responded. In this moment with us. So let's continue on. In verse 45, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. And so for three hours there's this darkness, and there wasn't a solar eclipse, there wasn't, it was in the middle of the day. I mean, everybody's like, what is going on? This is weird. This is unusual. There's something supernatural about this. And the only way I can explain it is that during those three hours. Jesus, scripture says, became our sin. He took on the penalty of our sin. And in that moment, we know that God cannot look upon sin. And he turned away from his son. And I think that darkness represents that in that moment. Let's see what continues to happen. And this is the side of God that maybe you're not familiar with. But here's what Jesus shouts out in this moment and we're going to have to unpack this, so bear with me on this. So verse 46, at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lima, sabachthani," which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? So why does Jesus shout out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And when Jesus yells this out, it's not a question of why, it's really... What's happening is that he is in so much pain and so much anguish because he is separated from his father. For the very first time in all of eternity, he is separated from God's love in that moment. Now, I can't put this into words, but there's a theologian in the 19th century that I think kind of gives us a better picture of this, and he said this. <clears throat> This is what Jesus experienced in that moment. He said, he, Jesus, was without any comforts of God. No feeling that God loved him. No feeling that God pitied him. No feeling that God supported him. God was his son before. Now that son became darkness. He was without God. He was as if he had no God. All that God had been to him before was taken from him. Now he was godless, deprived of his God. Now, I don't think we can imagine the agony that Jesus experienced in that moment. He plunged himself into the depths of our suffering for you, for me, for all of us. Now, maybe this morning you're going through some intense pain and suffering Maybe you feel like echoing Jesus's words, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Or maybe you've asked God why? And I don't think there's a simple, easy answer to figuring out pain and suffering. It's complex. And I think we will never know all the ins and outs of pain and suffering on this side of heaven. But here's the truth that we can hold on to. We have a God who came himself to deal with pain and suffering and has experienced exactly what we have experienced. And so the only way that I could put this into words is actually I think I found a clip, okay? And in this clip, I think it gives us a perfect picture of how Jesus plunged himself into suffering for us. And it also shows what the father experienced when he lost his son. Now, this is intense, but let's see exactly what God did. That's how personal suffering is to God. He lost his son. He lost his son for you. That's what he did. And if he didn't spare for us, his own son, can't we trust him in the midst of our pain and our suffering and turn to him? When Sarah and I went through those miscarriages the only thing that we need to do was to turn to God. And I was reminded in those moments that I have a savior. I have a father who can sympathize with me and knows exactly what it means to lose someone. Because suffering is personal to him. He laid down his life willingly for us. So the question for all of us is, why is there pain and suffering? And that's complicated, but we know that this world is broken because of sin. And we know that God charged in to history to do something about and experience pain and suffering himself to restore our relationship with him. And we know that one day that he promises That every tear will be wiped away. That he will make all things new in heaven one day. And that evil will be defeated and he will finally judge it for good. That's what he promises. And in the meantime, as we experience pain and suffering in this world, he promises, because of his death on the cross, that we can be in a relationship with him and that we can lean into him who knows personally what pain and suffering does. So the question for us today isn't a question of why, it's a question of where. Where do you turn in the midst of your pain and suffering? Is it towards God or is it that you run away from him? Now, recently, um, a couple weeks ago, I came down with the flu and I was very sick. And my daughter, Audrey, one night she was crying a little bit and my wife, Sarah, uh, went up to her and said, why are you crying? And she said this. She said to Sarah, she said, I'm crying because dad can't put me to bed and give me a kiss. And when Sarah told me that, it just warmed my heart. But it was such a reminder, a powerful reminder. See, some of us, have never felt the embrace from our heavenly father. Because when pain and suffering comes into our life, we turn away from him instead of running towards him. And so today, maybe you've had something in the past that has been awful. Maybe you're going through something right now that is awful. And I would say, why don't you take a step towards God and trust him? Just cry out, you know what, God? I don't understand everything that's going around, but I'm going to trust you in this moment because I recognize what you did for me on the cross. And so I trust your heart that it's good that you are doing something about pain and suffering, that you have done something about pain and suffering. And so today, in a moment, I'm going to have the band come out And we're going to play a song about trusting God. And in the beginning of that song, I want you to take time to talk to God. And I want you to cry out, God, I trust you. I trust you. Like, I don't understand everything, but turning away from you, there's still pain and there's still suffering. Instead, I'm going to turn towards you because I know you love me. And I know I have a savior who went into the depths of our suffering to die for us. And I have a father who understands what it means to lose a son, who did that for all of us so that we could have a relationship with him. And so I'm not sure where you're at today, but during this song, that's what I want you to pray. I want you to take a chance. I want you to take a step towards God with your pain and your suffering. And so let's go ahead and end in prayer, and then the team will come out, and they'll have us go through this song. So let's pray together. So Father, we thank you for who you are. And God, we don't understand everything there is about pain and suffering. And yet, God, it is amazing how much you have written about it in Scripture how much you've done about it. And so God, we thank you so much for sending yourself to deal with the evil in this world and that you understand exactly what we are going through because you suffered more than we can ever know. You were separated from your son and all you ever knew was the company of your son. Jesus, we thank you so much for taking on the penalty of our sin so that we could enter into a relationship with the Father. And so, God, I I know there are some people here who've gone through some pain and suffering. And God, I want to remind them that one day you will make all things new. You will wipe away every tear. And you are right here with us in the midst of our pain and our suffering. Because suffering is personal to you. So God, thank you so much for being with us. Continue to show us who you are. And we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: All righty, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic Church. My name is Chris, and we've got, uh, I've got a couple of announcements for you before we continue on with our service First of all, I'd like to say, if you are new with us, welcome. Thanks for being here. We're glad that you decided to join us today. And I want to invite you to stop by our Connection Center after the service, as we'll have somebody at the table to meet you personally and answer any questions that you may have. Well, I have a mature content warning for parents today. Uh, Today's message contains some material that may be too intense for young ears. But I want to remind you that we've got a great children's ministry From birth all the way up until fifth grade that I think your children would enjoy a lot more than they would in here today. So if you don't know where that is and you choose to get up, uh, we'll have some lifeguards in the back over there. Joe and Joy are waving their hands back there in the red shirts. If you want to get up and take your kids over to the uh, uh, Epic Kids area, feel free to do that. They'll point you in the right direction. That's not on my paper over here. You're throwing me off. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Everybody, look on your seats. You're going to see an Easter invite card. This is really important. You know, some of us may know uh, people that maybe choose to come to church once or twice a year, maybe Christmas or Easter. So these are opportunities where we can invite people to come here and maybe be introduced to Jesus or maybe reintroduced to Jesus. And then we can pray for them that that relationship would continue. So take as many of these cards as you want. We have more in the back and pass them out to anybody you see fit. It's going to be a great, great service. And speaking of Easter, we have a baptism this Easter. So uh, March 27th, Sunday, Easter Sunday at 5.30 530- p.m. We're going to meet at our usual spot, which is North 16th Street in Flagler Beach for our ocean baptism. So if you're an adult and this is something that interests you, visit our website, theepicchurch.com. You can get signed up right there on the website. Uh, For children and students, what I need the parents to do is pop on into the Connection Center after service and grab one of those packets, and you'll have to fill that out with your child. Now, once that packet is filled out, you only have until this Tuesday, Uh, By 4 p.m. to drop it off at the Epic office, okay? So you only have about two days to get that done. Once that's done, next Sunday on the 20th, we'll schedule interviews with the parents and the kids, and the packet explains a little bit more about what that is all about. So we've been promoting this business group experience uh, the last couple of weeks or so, and it's finally here. Uh, This is a six-week group experience. It's based on the teachings of Dave Ramsey, who's a Christian financial expert. Uh, It's just gonna be really, really uh, informative. It's a good uh, course, really anybody in the business world. So this Wednesday, March the 16th, from 7 p.m. until 8.30 p.m., they're going to be meeting. If this is something you want to get signed up for or already signed up for and you have some questions about, I'll be at the table right back there after service. Come see me. I'll have all the information you will need. And if you need to get signed up, I can do that for you as well back there. So what else do we have coming up? We have 3G Saturday coming up. Now remember, this is 3G Saturday, not 3G Sunday. So it's a little bit different. We're meeting on a Saturday. So we're still going to have service the next day on Sunday. This is a Saturday, April the 16th. We're going to have about eight projects going and about 130 serving opportunities. So please go home this week, look at your calendar, look at April 16th. If it's available, circle it, block it out, and then prepare. Next Sunday is when we're going to begin signups for 3G Saturday. And this is really what it does. It also gives us a chance to show our community that we are for Flagler. And you know, it's projects like 3G Saturday, 3G Sunday, and other things that Epic Church gets involved with that um, it really impacts the church financially. So if you've been coming here for a while and you call Epic Home and you've made that decision to partner with us financially and help support all these projects, just remember there's two ways you can do that. You can visit our website, theepicchurch.com. Click on the giving tab and you can give securely online or behind all the seating sections on the tables, we've got giving boxes and you can utilize those as well. Well, that's about all I have for everybody today. So just sit back, relax and watch this video.